you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube. Uh, you can open over to John chapter 6. We're going to continue with this series. You can look at John chapter 6. The reason I feel like I need help is because this chapter has such a huge, huge amount in it. Let's see if I can get my slides going here. Oh, okay. Um, This chapter, we, we spent a lot of time in John chapter 5. We introduced some things from John chapter 6. Some of you weren't here last week. I'm going to review some of that. But this chapter, and really 5, 6, 7, 8, all of those chapters, there is so much in them. We could, uh, honestly, we could take a year to teach on those chapters. Okay, I don't think we're going to. I don't dare say we aren't because I don't always see that far ahead. But um, Jesus... In this chapter, this is the chapter where it begins, we looked at this last week somewhat, it begins with the miracle of multiplying the bread and the fish, right? Feeding probably twelve to 15,000 individuals, 5,000 men on a kid's lunch, a kid's lunch. And this wasn't Lucas's lunch. This was a small lunch, okay? Uh, and so this multiplication, this act of provision, that he did. Again, they were coming up to Passover, which uh, commemorates their deliverance from Egypt, but also, you know, it's the day of unleavened bread. There, there's a lot of symbolism in him multiplying bread right then. I want to begin by just saying that miracle, we, we see it on the level of what an incredible provision for these people that followed him out into the wilderness. What an, what an amazing miracle it is. And we spent time talking about what a miracle is last week. But what an amazing miracle it is and what a wonderful example of the Father's heart it is that he provided because he is our provider. He has named himself Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Yireh, our provider, okay? He is El Shaddai. His his name, El Shaddai, speaks of abundant provision. It, It, in the Hebrew, is a picture of a wet nurse who steps in to provide for children, to provide what couldn't be provided, maybe by their mother, whatever, to provide that feeding, that nurturing, that nursing for the children. That term El Shaddai, can, it, it sometimes is thought of as the great breasty one. It is thought of as uh, the God who is more than enough. He is not just barely get by. It's not in his nature. It's not in his nature to barely meet a need. How many of you have heard or maybe were raised with the idea, I mean, it's a common idea, within Christianity, that God will meet your needs, but he won't do anything over that. Okay, he's not going to meet your desires. He's just going to meet your needs. How many of you have ever, am I the only one? 
Really? Oh, there's a few, few brave people. Yeah. Uh, that's a common. I'm trying to be nice. That's a common lie about the nature of God. Okay. Sounds real spiritual. Sounds real humble. Right? It's just not the truth. Jesus, in uh, what I want to say to you is this miracle was intentional. It was not just there to meet the needs of these people. That was a tremendous, wonderful, important part of it. He met the needs of people. But in meeting the needs of people, he displayed the heart of the Father. He displayed an aspect of God's nature in physical terms, in real time. He made an open show of what the Father is like. Okay, He's trying to break through to his people to Israel at the time who had who had come into this you know again we don't i don't think we have a clue as to what it was like to live before Jesus went to the cross and the holy spirit was poured out in the earth i don't think we get it period because it's never been as hard yeah most of us started out not knowing god okay and at some point we came to the lord we gave our life to jesus yeah we started out as unbelievers okay but we started out as unbelievers in a new covenant earth. We started out as unbelievers where the blood of Jesus had been shed and the curtain in the temple had been torn open and the presence of God. That wasn't so just so people could come into the Holy of Holies. That was, so, that was a picture of God released over the earth. We, we came into our walk with God at a time when the Holy Spirit is drawing people to the Father and revealing people, revealing the Father to people. So I don't think we have a clue what it's like to grow up in, in that legal system, that, that totally appropriate Old Testament system that God gave, and then what had been the parts that had been perverted of it. And then to have this man rise up a lot of them knew his parents, knew his dad as a carpenter in Capernaum. You know, I mean, they, they, it's, it's a man that's standing up proclaiming to be the Messiah and doesn't look anything like the Messiah that most of them thought had been prophesied. There were people that knew at the time, they say, or they at least were saying, you know what, some of these prophecies about Messiah look like a suffering servant and some of them look like a conquering king and they were divided about that but the majority idea was we need freedom from listen to this from our present problem which is rome okay we need freedom from that we need the reign of king david we need somebody to come in and kick the Romans' butts, okay, and get them off of our backs. That's what we need. They were focused on the present issue. They're out there following him in those first couple of verses. You know, we looked at these last week. Uh, the verse 2 says the great crowd was following him because they had seen the signs and miracles which he continually performed among upon those who were sick. So, so they were seeing these manifestations of God and there was lots of confusion about what that meant. Who is he? A prophet? Is he, is he the Messiah? Who is he? You know, so all that was, was going on. But they're, they're seeing this. But just like us, many times, their focus came down to but God, what I really need, 
I see you. I want to know you. But you know what I really need? I need my car to run. What I really need is I need my rent paid. I've been able to pay it for a couple of months. I need my rent paid, okay? It's not that that's illegitimate. Notice what he did. He fed them. They had a need, a physical need. He fed them. Cool, okay? That's great. He did that. He did provide. It's not that he was saying, hey, you guys just need to starve for a few more days to get really spiritual. It wasn't wasn't like that. He fed them. But within that miracle of natural food was spiritual food. And through the rest of this chapter, we see Jesus emphasizing that point again and again and again. And it wasn't just for those people. It's for every one of us. And and I'm going to combine the ideas today of miracles, which we love, and answered prayers, okay? When we, are, when we encounter a miracle or when a prayer is answered, there is a natural provision in that that we celebrate, but don't miss the fact that behind or within that natural provision, that miracle that happens, that prayer that is answered, within that there is spiritual food. There is spiritual sustenance. There's something for us to take hold of within that, within that answered prayer, within that miracle. So let me just make a few statements to you. Some of this is, is still uh, reviewed from last week. Through this miracle, Jesus gave a physical demonstration of an aspect of the Father's nature as provider. We talked about that. Whenever we are presented with a revelation of God's nature as they were, Whenever we see something new, no matter when that happens, we see something new or we see something again that he's already showed to us. Every time it puts us in a place of decision to draw upon that revelation and feed upon it, to, to treasure it and pull it within our hearts and, and not, just, not just enjoy it for its entertainment value, okay? And I'll, I'll probably talk about that a little bit in a minute, but to but to draw it, we have, the, we have the choice, we have the decision to draw spiritual life from it in knowing him and to meditate on what it means about the person, what it means about who he is, and to celebrate that. And there is something that happens on the inside of us when we do that. We, be, we get fed spiritually or you know, so there we are. We're in the place of decision. We can, we can pull on what he just gave to us. Or we can just ignore it, just kind of go about our business, or we can actually reject it. And the choice is ours. Every time God presents himself to us, we have a choice to make. And the choice matters. Your, our choice about truth that God presents to us doesn't change the truth at all but it does change our experience of it. It changes what we carry out of that. It changes how much it impacts us. Can you say amen? All right, I'm glad you can. Um, So, and oftentimes when truth is presented to us, and again, in this case, I'm talking about, it it, can come through revelation from the word and can can come so many ways. But as, as we see an answer to prayer, we see a miracle take place. As truth comes to us, however it comes, it often 
addresses an issue of our heart. Okay, it, it, our heart condition is addressed there. Whenever we have an encounter with God, our heart condition can be ad- addressed in that moment. And it presents an opportunity for us to experience a renewed mind, a transformation, a changed heart, a changed outlook. We can bring new truth into our lives. And they had this opportunity as that food was being distributed because it was a miracle and it was a miracle of provision. And they knew the names of God and they knew that God was provider, but here they were seeing it demonstrated. And again, I'm making such a big point of this because Jesus is going to spend the rest of this chapter talking to them about how to break through and go beyond just appreciating the natural part of his provision to drawing on the spiritual life that it contains. Does that make sense to everybody? All right. Sometimes I believe we sometimes we pray for something we know it's God's will. We have his word on it, but it's delayed. Anybody ever experienced a delayed answer to prayer? Okay, yeah, most of us. All right. Some of the time, there are lots of reasons for that, but some of the time it's because of just what we're talking about God It's not that God doesn't want to or isn't going to answer that prayer, but he needs to change our hearts first. He needs to develop our character so that the answer to that prayer won't consume us. So that the increase that comes from the answer to that prayer won't throw us off track. And so he has to develop more character in us and he will go about doing that and preparing our hearts so that when we receive that answer to prayer, we're able to steward that answer to prayer appropriately, okay? And, and so we, we all go through uh, these, you know, these various stages uh, with all of this. But again, let me just, I just want to repeat this because we looked at this last week. It's real important to what we're going to talk about for the rest of this time. We talked about, said they were following him for the signs, right? Because they saw these miraculous signs, miraculous healings. That word sign speaks specifically of a miracle that has a spiritual purpose beyond the miracle itself. So just what we're talking about. The, the purpose of the miracle itself in the natural was feeding people. Wonderful. But there was a message within that miracle. It was a sign because it pointed to an aspect of the nature of God as provider. He didn't want them just to eat a meal. And in fact, they have a big discussion later. Their idea is, hey, Jesus, do this all the time. Like Moses did. Give us, give us this bread all the time. You know, we, we don't really want to uh, grow grain and grind it and make bread if you just want to give us this bread all the time. And he keeps pointing them back to, no, no, no. There's a message within that giving, providing for you. There's a message within that that is spiritual life and spiritual food for you. So a sign, and this is what the Greek word translated sign means, a miracle that has a spiritual purpose uh, beyond the miracle itself. It is a miracle that points to something beyond and greater than itself. It is a miracle that is valuable, not so much for what it is, but for what it communicates of the nature, grace, and power of God. So, you know, just the example I always think of is we have a sign out here. It says Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. The sign is not the church, all right? The sign 
is the sign. It's not the church. But it does tell people the church is here. In the same way, that type of miracle that is a sign isn't God. It's a manifestation of God. It's the power of God at work in the earth. But it itself is not God. But it says God is here. And that's why he sends all of us as the church into the earth with the gifts of the Spirit within us. We have the, we have the opportunity to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to have the gifts of the Spirit flow through us, and to do things like lay hands on the sick and see them healed. To do things like have a prophetic word for somebody that they know nobody but God could possibly know this to have a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom, to have discerning of spirits, to have miracles and healings taking place. He sends us into the earth, not so that, you know, it's it's not about us. It's because when those things take place, it says God is real. God cares about you. This This is what God's like. He's a healer, not a sick maker, not a person who makes you sick. He's a healer. He's a provider. He cares about you. He knows your heart and he loves you anyway, right? It says all those things about God. It says God is here. It is miracles are the calling card, the the dinner bell of the gospel. Okay, It, it opens people's heart. It catches their attention. It's a sign, all right? And so, and I just wanted to say this, I kind of touched on it last week, but and then we'll move on, but we don't venerate the place where miracles happen. Why do I say that to you? Because it's going on in the earth, and I want you to know better, okay? We don't venerate a place. Places are important to God, and he shows us when they're important. You know, he said his, he, he had a place for us to gather for worship and all that. That's not what I'm talking about. How many of you, have you ever been to Chimayo, New Mexico? Anybody? Okay. Little town down in northern New Mexico, very Catholic, of course. Uh, and there's a little church there that they built over a place where somebody got healed. And every year, people go to Chimayo all year long. They go to this little church, and there's a specific spot. There's the healing room. It's not the kind of healing room that you know that we're familiar with. It's a place where they believe the dirt itself has the power to heal because somebody got healed there. So they built a church over it and people come there to get dirt, to get healed. And they take some dirt. And literally, you know, as people come and they take a handful of dirt, the dirt depletes. And so and we saw it when we were there. We went by to see all this because we'd known about it for years. The priests go out back and they shovel up more dirt and they they... Uh, put it through a screen so it's nice clean dirt and they dump it back in that hole because that spot, they believe, that spot has healing. In my way of thinking, that takes away from the healer, okay? But I'm not, I'm not condemning them. It's what the people, every Easter, there's a huge pilgrimage from all over New Mexico to Chimayo. From Albuquerque, it's, I don't know how far it is, 50 to Santa Fe, probably 70 miles or something up to Chimayo, beautiful place, by the way. But anyway, people, some people crawl on their knees most of that way because they believe they have to experience pain for God to care enough 
They have to make that sacrifice. That says, they don't mean this, but they are saying the sacrifice that Jesus made isn't enough for my healing. I've got to do this. I've got to do this to make up for my sin. You know, it's that kind of thing. They venerate a spot, just a spot. We don't do that. And there are different ways that we do. We don't venerate a person who a miracle comes through, okay? We, we can enjoy that person's ministry, but don't become groupies of, of people where I, I go to conferences with people who have a lot of miracles working in their life, but I'm there to worship Jesus. I'm not there to worship them. I, I know that that same gift can flow through me and through you, through everyone who will give themselves to that. And I know there are, there are certain anointings on certain people that are stronger in this area than in that area. I get it. That's all fine. But I'm not going to become, I've known people who became groupies. I don't have another, I don't have a better word for it. They became groupies of certain ministers. And they, they were always, they were, they were following those ministries. They were never in the local church. And we would have tremendous things going on in services. And, and they'd come back and they, some people do the same thing with a TV preacher, but they'd come back and, oh, they were so bummed because, you know, gee, nothing ever happens here. And I'd start listing the people who had been healed. I'm not saying our ministry was the same as that person's ministry. It's not. It's not what I'm called to. Okay. But the point was they're so folk, they were, they were venerating. They were, they were lifting up that person and that ministry beyond just respect and honor and appreciating, which we should do, what God was doing through that ministry. And I just want to say, you know, when we're talking about miracles, we're talking about these things. So, so we want to be careful. We don't, we don't worship places. We don't worship people. We don't worship any of that. But we do look within answered prayers and miracles. We always want to look through and draw upon what God is saying, who God is within that miracle. Does that make sense? I've spent a lot of time on this. And so, but, so I'm just going to try and kind of, I encourage you to go and read through John chapter 6. I know you probably have, but I encourage you to spend some time meditating on the things that Jesus says here because, you know, we just don't have time to do it justice here. So I'm going to try and summarize some things. So, so we introduced this last week. I'm going to begin reading of John chapter 6, verse 24. We've got about 13 minutes left here. John chapter 6, verse 24 through 27, it says, So the people, now notice, remember, why did they follow Jesus? Because they were seeing all the signs. All right. Now this is after all that. The people finding that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there because they had gone across the lake themselves got into the small boats and came to Capernaum looking for Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the lake, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them. I love it when Jesus answers a question we didn't ask. He just goes right to the point. He says, I assure you most solemnly, I tell you, you have been searching for me, not because you saw the miracles and signs, but because you were fed with the loaves and were filled and satisfied. Okay, back in the story, when they were handing out the, the food, there was a place where it says in, in uh, different, different gospels, says it a little different, but it basically says, when everybody was full, then they started picking up the leftovers, right? When everybody was full. 
that terminology and this terminology speaks of being filled to the point of satiation, to the point where you are so satisfied you don't want any more. It is again a picture of more than enough. It is a picture of El Shaddai. He didn't just give them, okay, here's enough to get you through today and then you guys can all go home and eat again. No, the bread was multiplied until everybody was so full they stopped eating and then more was picked over, picked up. The leftovers were taken home and that speaks of that aspect of the nature of God. There is no reason for us not to expect, not in a disgusting way, but to expect God to be who he is in our lives. There's no reason not to expect God to not only provide, but provide more than enough. Why? So you can be a blessing. Paul wrote it out clearly. God wants to provide for you so that every need in your life is met and you can go out and minister into every good work. I mean, this is is basic truth about the, the nature of God. This is who he is, all right? But you notice here, Jesus says, you know what? You're not following me anymore because of those signs and wonders. In other words, you are you have something has changed in your heart now you're wanting that natural provision you've become focused on what i can do for you in a natural way and you're missing the spiritual food the spiritual life that is behind that provision that you can receive through it jesus is saying to them you've become focused and drawn to natural provision, but you're not recognizing the spiritual nourishment that the natural provision contains. And he goes, this goes on for verse after verse after verse after verse. And and let me just give you a couple of others that you can write down outside this chapter. We all know this, Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus said, man does not live. He's not upheld and sustained by bread alone, by natural provision alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What does that mean? It means we need spiritual food as well as natural food, which means we've got to learn how to approach the word of God in such a way that we are drawing the life of the Holy Spirit out of that word. And the Holy Spirit himself will teach each of us how to do that. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18 says, We fix our eyes, we set our eyes, not on what is seen, but on the, on the unseen, because uh, what is seen is temporary, okay? Natural provision is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. It's deathless. It's, it's alive in the Spirit of God. So this leads into this long discourse back and forth. I'm back in John chapter 6, between the Jews and and Jesus, where Jesus presents himself as the bread of life. And they keep going back to the natural bread, and they keep going back to the manna, and they keep saying, hey, you know, Moses fed us in the desert. You know, he he provided for us like this. And, And our forefathers, they gave us bread from heaven, meaning Moses gave us bread from heaven. And Jesus says, no, no, it's actually my father who gives the real, the true life-giving bread from heaven. And I am that bread. And then he goes into the whole discourse about my flesh 
is real food. He's trying to break through. He is trying to break through. They're locked in this thinking that it was really cool that you did that. Now, if you could get the Romans off our back, you know, it was, it was that focus on the natural. And he's trying to break it through. And he starts telling them in church, this was in the synagogue. He made this whole statement about my flesh is real food. And he who eats of my flesh will never hunger. My blood is real drink. He's, he, I mean, we think that's gross. You can't imagine how gross it was to them. He's just trying to knock on their heads to get them out of that place. And we can all, I'm not criticizing them. We can be there. We can get so fixated on what we think we know or what we're experiencing that God has to come along and just break through so that we can see. He says, my blood is real drink. And he who drinks of me will not be thirsty. He's saying, I need to be in you, not just with you and providing good things for you. Obviously, he did that, right? He's not against that. He did that. But in that picture is, I need to be in you. You can consume me. And when he did this, and you know, you can just go read it. I, I just, you know, we don't have time for it this morning. But he does, he says, I'm the bread of life. I'm the living bread, which gives and sustains life. This is John 6, 48 through 51. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died. Right? So natural bread doesn't keep us alive forever. This is the bread, speaking of himself, that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. He's talking about eternal life. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, believes in me and accepts me as Savior, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. It's my body. And so he's, he's, this whole uproar, whole bunch of his disciples quit following him. It was like, I don't know what this guy's talking about. I thought it was good, but we're out of here. And he turns to his disciples, his close disciples, and says, do you want to leave too? And, and Peter has a tremendous statement, I believe it's in verse 66, where, where he says, where would we go? You know, this is one of those things, I had a moment in my life, I don't have time to tell you about it this morning, I've told you about it before, but I had a moment in my life where the Lord asked me some of these questions when he was calling us to the ministry. And, and it was like, you know, it'd be way easier, it wouldn't, but that's the way your brain works, it'd be way easier to go do something else but where would we go? You have the words of life is what Peter said. And it just, it's like, yeah, where would we go? I don't care what happens. I don't care how well it goes, how badly it goes, how, you know, what happens in the earth. He is the bread of life. He has the words of life. And I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going, you, you know, all you can do, the worst you can do is kill this body. Okay. But he has the words of life. So, but he came along and his disciples said, man, this is a hard saying. What are we supposed to do with this eat your flesh and drink your blood thing? And he explains it in one sentence in John 6, 63. He said, after saying all of that, he says, the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. I believe that his whole discourse about eat my flesh and drink my blood, yeah, there's a lot of symbolism there, and all of that's important, and it, but it means you have to consume me. You can't just know about me. 
I can't just be on the outside. I can't just be an idea. I can't be a set of do's and don'ts. It, you know, it's, I can't just be sugar daddy. I can't, I think he wants to be sugar daddy, but only when our hearts are right, you know? He doesn't want to, he's not going to provide us with things that are going to ruin us. He loves us too much for that. So he tells him, he says, look, the flesh counts for nothing. All this natural stuff counts for nothing. The spirit, the spirit is what matters. And my words are, he doesn't just say they contain, he doesn't say they lead you to. He says his words are spirit. They are pneuma. They are the breath of God. They, they, they bring the breath and the DNA and the infusion of God's life into us. My words are spirit and they are zoe, eternal life. My words, it's food. Man doesn't live by bread alone, not even by donuts alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So where does that leave us? That leaves us, we want to be people that know how to consume the Lord through his word, not just have good Bible knowledge, but consume him, interact with him, draw him inside, let him work in us, all right? And and feed on spiritual life from his word. And that's just, you know, we all just need to learn how to do that, but we also have to set priorities in our life. We've got to have good, consistent, quiet time with God. All right, we've got to have it. It has to be more important than whatever it is that's keeping you from it or that would keep me from it. It has to be. That is a priority we must set. We've got to be people of the word. We've got to be people who love his word. We're not haughty about it. We're not, we're eating. We're coming to the table and consuming him so that we can live, so that we can grow, so that we can be healthy. All right. Okay, and let me just, I just will introduce this and we'll come to it another time because we're out of time. Um, So, in fact, I just need to share two verses. I I can't really talk about. So verse 27, he comes and and he tells us, stop, let me read it, (laughs) stop toiling and doing and producing for the food that perishes and decomposes in the using, but strive and work and produce for the food which endures to eternal life. Okay, so he's saying, look, he's not saying quit your job. He knows you have to work. He knows we have to produce in the earth. He set up the system. But he's saying, look, stop spending all your best energies on this natural stuff because it's all going to disappear one day. It's not eternal. It's, it's not enough. It's not what you're created for. Stop spending your best energies toiling after, pursuing after this stuff. And then he says, but work for the spiritual food. So, so us plugging into him and feeding on him, there is going to be some work to that, not works, not doing good things to make him like us better. That's been taken care of with the blood of Jesus. Not works, but effort, putting energies. Might be getting up earlier in the morning. Might be finding another translation of the Bible. Might be hooking up with a Bible study. Might be, I, I don't know. But it's, it, it, you know, you, you've got to figure out how to have some consistent, quiet time with the Lord. 
and his word. You've got to figure out how to feed. You've got to figure out how to feed in church. You've got to figure out through the, the system that he's made. And so they, they come back and they ask him, and we're not going to go there, the next verse is, what, what, what must we do to work the works that God requires? And, and he says, the work that God requires is to believe. He simply brings it down to faith, to believe. Actually, that term believe is the Greek word pastuo. It's a, it's a different word from faith. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a part of the word faith. But, but believing, and John uses this a lot, means I'm so convinced of the truth that I'll put the weight of my life on it. I'll take a risk that it's going to hold me up. That's what the word believe means. And Jesus said, you know, they say, okay, well, what do we need to do to do the works that God requires? He says, one thing, believe, okay, believe. He will take care of the rest if we will just believe. And then I'll just mention this and they go on, it's so funny, and, and we're, we're not going there, I promise, but they go on right away. Oh, well, what, what, what miracles or signs will you do that, can, that will get us to believe? And it's like, oh, I, but, you know, but it's like, I think he has that with every single one of us on some days. You know, it's like, wait a minute. We <laughs> just, anyway, uh, I think he has that moment with every one of us, but he's so patient and he's so kind and he's so faithful that he looks at us and he sees us as kids and he says, I see your heart. And anyway, you get it. You get it. What miracle will you do? You mean, aside from the ones we've been talking about for the last three days. So, let's stand up and pray together. All right. Did you get anything out of this? No. Uh, sometimes it's just sort of a fire hose, and I don't know if anything good was said. Um, that's not true. Let's pray. I think, I think the part of this that is so essential this morning is just for that revelation to really go off in our hearts. His words are spiritual food that produce spiritual life and health and progress in me. Okay, so we're going to ask for a fresh revelation of that. And secondly, the practical matter there of God, how can I hold the right priority? What adjustments might I need to make in my life? so that I can do all the things I need to do here, sure. But God, that time with you is number one. So let's just pray together over that. Let's pray for one another over that. Father God, every one of us in this room, the people in this room today could be off doing about 10,000 other things, but we're not, we're here. Because we love you. We believe in gathering together to honor you and around your word and, and to be fed by you. And so Father, we're asking today, Lord, for a fresh revelation of your, your life, the spiritual life within your word. Lord, I, I, I guess I'm asking you, Lord, to stir up an excitement within us. Again, I think for some, about the word of God and how good it is. And I'm asking you to lead us in our time at that table Lord, the, the many places that we engage with your word, Lord, lead us into the truths that are right on your heart for us as individuals. 
And Father, I, I do pray, Lord, for people that are having a struggle because of the busyness or different things, the, the season of life, Lord, because we go through different seasons. They're having a struggle, having consistent quiet time with you. And I know, Lord, you have a way and you have a place. I just believe God's saying that to you. I have a way and I have a place. Just ask me about it. I have a way. I have a place. I have a time. I have a way. I have a place. I have a time. Just ask me. And Lord, I, I just pray, Father, for anybody who's really struggling in that area, their, their heart, they want to have that consistent time, but it's just, they're just not quite sure how to make it happen. Father, I thank you today for bringing the revelation of that into their lives and for them to step into consistent feeding time with you. And I thank you for it today. Lord, I believe as we go out of this place, we go out into this world and we carry your presence and we carry your life. And the Holy Spirit's here to even bring up the word that needs to come up in certain situations. We go out there as ministers. We go out there as lights in dark places. We go out there with the word of life on our lips to a, a dying world. Lord, and we ask you to use us. We ask you to open those opportunities. And Father, I too, I just want to pray, Lord, over everybody that's traveling this weekend and or this week and those who are not, we just release protection. We release Psalm 91 over their lives. Lord, we believe we will only be witnesses and helpers in places of tragedy. We will not be involved. Father, we thank you, Lord, that the angels have charge over us to keep us in all of our ways. Lord, we thank you that you always take care of us. And, and Father, we just release that this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You guys okay? All right. So, you know there are snacks out there, so let's go. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org.